0: The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. We will talk about the burning questions that Packer fans have about the 53-man roster. We'll talk about what KD staying in Brooklyn means for the Milwaukee Bucks this year, as well as the years to come. And lastly, we'll talk about Corbin Burns' problem with the Los Angeles Dodgers in what well, was an unlucky brewer loss? I guess it was, I wouldn't say unlucky, but it was an unfortunate brewer's loss, to say the least, uh, and much more. Who knows what else will come through during the daily tap? Uh, that's what you get from us. You also get a ton on social media, uh, whether it's tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok, Facebook too, if you're interested in that. Lastly, make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast, whether it's Apple, whether it's Spotify or wherever else you get your podcast. If you already are subscribed, you know the drill. We've talked about it before. don't feel like you guys listen. I feel like this is where you skip the podcast. Look I get it. People skip ads. Maybe I have to drop this in in the middle of the podcast uh, to get you guys to rate, review and subscribe. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do that. Maybe that's my punishment because I'm not seeing enough ratings, not seeing enough reviews. And that will be your punishment here. Uh, and so so you asked for it here. <laughs> but anyways, um, also if you're joining us uh, as you're looking for new things to listen to in the morning or in the afternoon with the Void from WSSP, welcome. I uh, hope you guys enjoy the ride. Let's talk about the burning questions that Packer fans might have about the 53-man roster. The Green Bay Packers will have to make decisions on their roster in two weeks. Labor Day weekend is when the roster decisions will be made. We will see what happens with a very talented Packer roster. I think nobody can argue that Green Bay has a lot of guys. If Green Bay could keep 60 guys, I think they actually would have a case for it. I think there are 60 really good Packer players and they're going to be cuts that will be tough to take for the fan base. And there will be people that will be kept where the fan base might have a little consternation, if you will. So I'm here to answer questions that you might have. And if you don't have these questions, maybe it will get you thinking about these questions going forward. We start with the wide receivers because the wide receivers are obviously the biggest deal, I think, for Packer fans still starting the season. Will the Packers stick to seven wide receivers? I think they will. I absolutely believe that the Packers will have seven wide receivers when it is all said and done. I think A, it is smart, and I think B, it's deserving. Why I think it is smart is because there are a lot of young talent on this team. We do not know how that young talent is going to perform when the lights are the brightest. I know no one wants to hear about fantasy, but one of the regrets I had in my first fantasy draft is I drafted a lot of young players, which is very much setting me up for a boomer bust season. Either you hit it and you're great, or you're absolutely terrible. And I think having more options, having more things for Aaron Rodgers to play with, for having more things for Matt LaFleur and Adam Stanovic to scheme up is a good thing. So I am all for the idea of keeping seven wide receivers. I think Juwan Winfrey, if he was cut, would would be on a team instantly. I don't think Juwan Winfrey would be on a practice squad. I don't think you can stash him away any longer. Juwan Winfrey deserves to be here, but they have seven guys that legitimately belong on this roster. And you might see a guy who's awesome in training camp and in preseason games and say, Okay, yeah, that guy does belongs in the roster. They can make seven guys work. But then there were also the years where the time, the playing time wasn't there because you had Devontae Adams, you had Jordy Nelson, you had Randall Cobb, and then you had Alan Lazard, and then you had the rookies, whether it was Valdez Scantling, Jamon Moore at the time, remember? Jamon Moore was a fourth-round pick, and he didn't pan out. He did not pan out, to say the least. But still, there were obviously different things that were on the table in years past. So I do think that the Green Bay Packers are going to keep seven wide receivers. I actually do not think there is a shot of the doubt that Green Bay Bay Packers are gonna keep seven wide receivers. I'm not gonna go as far to say I guarantee that, but I I feel pretty good about it. I I will... I will stake my flag in that. Just like I stuck my flag in Craig Council's last year as a Milwaukee Brewer manager, which Mitch thinks I'm crazy about, but that's here nor there. So we'll maybe we'll have to ask Mitch about it on Friday. But yes, yeah, seven wide receivers for sure. I think Torre is a guy who can be on a practice squad. I, I don't think a team's gonna poach him. Um, maybe uh, a team that needs receivers, but I think Torre can definitely be a practice squad guy for the Packers. And really then you have closer to eight guys than you do seven just based on one guy hanging with the practice squad. All right, let's get to other questions here. What does Tyler Davis have of Matt LaFleur? Now Tyler Davis had a good day yesterday uh, and that was welcoming, but some might wonder, does Tyler Davis have some sort of nudes of Matt LaFleur? Does he have like secret text messages? Like what is it? Because the Packers seem hell bent on keeping Tyler Davis and not getting rid of him. A lot of fans right now want Tyler Davis gone. And I understand that Tyler Davis has looked poor in his first two game actions. But I will offer this Tyler Davis can play on special teams, and that is really important. And after special teams cost us a chance, at probably another chance at a Super Bowl, I think Tyler Davis deserves to be there. If he can do it on special teams, that I am okay with Tyler Davis being on the 53-man roster, even if there are some fans that don't like it. He has kind of become enemy number one this training camp season. There always is a guy, right? It's usually a guy who fucks up, and of course it's Davis this year, and he's the one where fans are looking at him and saying, well, what the fuck is this? Like, why is everybody heaping praise? This guy is basically like the next Tonyan. He has not lived up to that. Maybe as Tyler continues to develop, as he continues to work on his relationship with Aaron Rodgers, Tyler becomes that guy and takes, gets rid of some of the stupid shit and gets a better handle on the ball. Maybe he's just a little too excited. Maybe he's a puppy dog there and he's just so excited to see people, so excited to be on the field that he pees in the house, right? Maybe that's that's it. So I can make a case for Tyler Davis, but I know the fan base will not be happy but it seems like he's a lock to make the team. I don't think anybody can say differently. Will Jack Hufflin, Hufflin, Chris Slayton, Caleb Jones survive waivers to be practice squad guys? All three of these guys have played really well uh, for the first two preseason games as well as the training camp. If you're unfamiliar or you're not as dialed in with the Green Bay Packers, Jack Hufflin and Chris Slayton are both defensive linemen Caleb Jones is a monster offensive tackle. So we did this like Mary fuck kill style, where a guarantee, a probably, and an absolutely no way. How would we get? How would we go the, go this route? And I realize these are three massive dudes, so I don't want to I don't want to touch any of these guys. But it's a great way to do it. Now you could say start one, sit one, bench one, and say all right, that's that's your other way to do this, but. I'd go with the personal Mary fuck, kill because I'm a sick bastard. Chris Slayton, I think, would be your practice squad guy for sure. I don't think Chris Slayton has enough game reps where people are going to be looking at Chris Slayton as this dude who can immediately make an impact on their 53-man roster. So I think Chris Slayton could easily make practice squad. I think Jack Helfland, while he's had an awesome training camp and he's played well, I still don't know if teams are that in tune with him or believe in him. You know, I think the Packers have a soft spot for Caucasian defensive linemen from Big Ten country, Heflin, coming from Iowa. I I really, I I don't think there are a lot of people looking at Heflin and seeing the potential there, but I do see it. I I think he's really good. I think he'd be on a 53-man roster really anywhere else uh, that didn't have D-line depth like the Packers do. Um, so maybe Heflin can get on that practice squad, but I don't know, man, I, if people are paying attention or if the chiefs or the saints or the Niners, any of the teams they played in preseason need defensive line help. I wouldn't be surprised if Heflin ends up on the roster there and not in green Bay, which would be a bad loss, if, especially if it went to an absolutely rival, but you can't really control the waiver wire as for the kill as for the one who I think would immediately get picked up is scale of Jones. Caleb Jones has played really well at 6'8", 320. The guy is an absolute mammoth of a man, but he can handle it at at tackle. I'm not saying the guy's a starter and the Green Bay Packers are extremely deep at offensive tackle. And there's not a lot of guys you can move off of. So it's hard for me to see a spot for Caleb Jones, unless they were to trade somebody, maybe Jones is a guy they could dangle out to some team. I don't know. But Caleb Jones, to me, it, it seems like he's the easiest one to get picked up. And I just hope the Packers' depth and the Packers' investment in linemen, whether it's Runyon, whether it's Shane Ryan, whether it's Zach Tom, it doesn't come back to bite them in the ass and miss out on an asset like Caleb Jones. Could the Packers keep four running backs? Sure, they could. Will they? <sighs> Again, goes back to that point about we have 60 guys that I think are really talented on this team. Packers should keep four, four running backs. I don't think they will. But I, I really think there's a case to be made for it. And I, I think people would say, well, you're nuts. That's crazy. Why would the Packers want to keep four running backs? Here's the thing. A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones are going to be great. They're going to have the bulk of the carries. It goes back to our earlier point about why you don't keep seven wide receivers when you have Devontae Adams, when you have Jordy Nelson, yada, yada. I get it. Patrick Taylor is an awesome pass-protecting running back. He does a great job picking up blitzes. He, that, to me, is very important, as well as special teams. It goes back to the Tyler Davis part. Patrick Taylor plays a lot of special teams and is a bigger frame guy to make an impact on those special teams units. As for Tyler Goodson, Tyler Goodson's a great gadget player. He's a guy that I think could really help the Packers offense. Like I think he adds an element that Green Bay doesn't really have. You could say, well, maybe that's Winfrey. Maybe Winfrey ends up being that guy for Green Bay instead, or it's Amari Rogers. Like, what's the difference between Tyler Goodson and Amari Rogers? That's a, that's a fair question. I think Tyler Goodson's a little faster, but I don't think Tyler Goodson will be a practice squad guy. I think people will look at what Tyler Goodson can do and see a potential in him being a gadget player. So I am not holding my breath that Tyler Goodson will we'll stay a Packer. I just, I don't see it possible. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they they proved me differently, but I am not seeing it uh, from the Packers running backs. All right, a couple more questions here. Uh, we don't want to take up too much of our time. Will the Packers keep five edge rushers? That's an interesting question. I think that's a really interesting one because they are pretty set there, right? From their starters to their backups, you have Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith who are going to wreak havoc at the edge position. You also have Spider Garvin, AKA Jonathan Garvin, who has shown himself as a solid rotational edge rusher. And then you have Kingsley, AKA JJ Ngbare, who also has shown some real flashes and come on real strong here in the second half of training camp. But then there's Kobe Jones and Kobe Jones you know, had some moments. He was put in with the starters during the joint practice last week against the Saints. And that's sort of interesting, right? He was an undrafted free agent from Mississippi State. So it came from Preston Smith as well. You know, will Kobe Jones find his way on the roster? To me, if Kobe Jones makes the team, that is the surprise guy to get on the roster. I think people would look at it and say, who the hell is Kobe Jones? Especially if you're not paying attention. And I get, I get it, right? Like, they got a lot going on. Like, you don't need to study every single training camp day. But Kobe Jones is a dude, and he's looking like one. And maybe they do keep five to just keep everybody fresh. I'm all for the idea of rotating these guys in as much as possible, creating different looks for the offensive tackles, setting up situations where, you know, Engbar does one thing, but Gary does the other thing, and it's hard to sort of connect it as a left tackle creating some confusion i'm all for the idea of five edge rushers i'm not gonna have an issue if there are five edge rushers for the Green at packers another oh let's before we go offensive line i was just gonna be another offensive line we're gonna do well let's just do it right now since i mentioned it will zach tom start week one i don't know man it's he's been really good right like he's he's allowed 35 pressure or he's It dealt with 35 pressures. He's not allowed to sack. I said that on a TikTok of the Keg Sports if you're unfamiliar there. I don't think I said it on the podcast, so that's a great stat right there. And the only other guy that has done that so far is Charles Cross, and he was a top 10 pick in the NFL draft last season. I think Zach Tom is a starter out the box. I think Zach Tom has the potential to be the next David Bakhtiari. I use that lightly. You shouldn't say I shouldn't have said that so boldly because I'm really like, oh my god, you really think this guy's gonna be one of the best tackles in football? No, let's slow down, let's take a step back. I think he could have be like Bakhtiari when it comes to a mid-round draft pick that just excels at the offensive line and that is a routine pro bowler for the Green Bay Packers. That's what I mean. I mean it's more about his draft position compared to Bakhtiari than actually the player himself. So I think Zach Tom starts week one. I'm a little worried if it's Royce Newman. I'll just be honest. I'm not, not a fan of seeing Royce Newman out there. I'd highly doubt an Elton Jenkins. I would expect Elton Jenkins for either Tampa Bay or New England week three or four. That to me is when I think you see Elton Jenkins get on the football field. Last question here. Should the Packers keep six cornerbacks? So Rico Gafford is one of those guys that's really on the fence. And Rico is a speed demon. He's a converted wide receiver, he's really quick. I think that he could be a guy you use on special teams and that's sort of it. I mean, I realize you're not expecting your sixth cornerback to play. If he's playing, you have some real fucking problems. I like him a little bit better than KB and Ento. KB and Ento has shown some nice things here and there, but I would go with Gafford. Maybe they choose Ento because he's a little more polished. We'll see. Ento also, I believe, is a converted guy, but he's had a little more time with it. Could you sneak Gafford on the practice squad? Probably. I don't think anyone's rushing to claim Rico Gafford, so I'd be okay with that too and kind of develop as it goes on. Uh, Green Bay loves those converted corners or converted wide receivers to cornerbacks. They've they've done it for a long, long time. I also did note, could will Danny Etling be the next Joe Callahan? Um, yes, that's a just. We'll do a quick yes/no on that one. That's a absolute yes. If I missed any questions, any other burning questions that you have, hit me up on social media. Tabby the Keg on Twitter, Tabby the Keg Sports on Instagram. I'd be happy to answer more Packer burning questions that I may have missed, or maybe we could do a part two. I'd always be be down for that. All right, let's move to NBA. Uh, it's a dead period for the NBA. We're not talking too much about what's going on in the league. Giannis did have a back injury uh, in Greece. The MRI came back clean. It seemed like nothing was wrong. I realized the worry and the fret from Bucks fans. We talked about this last week. If you missed the podcast about how all of the international guys are playing in this. So I don't know how mad we can get. We have to just take it as it is. Did I think, worry a little bit that it might be a bad sign that Kamar Usman got knocked the fuck out as a Nigerian guy who Giannis cheers for, and it might be a bad sign for the future? Yeah, I worried about it a little bit. I'm not gonna lie to you. But uh, that's superstitious bullshit talking, not necessarily basketball or what's going on on the court. And speaking of bullshit and different things going on, Kevin Durant... Kevin Durant requests a trade, gets all mad, pouts and stomps his feet, and gets all upset with the Brooklyn Nets once out, demands a trade, a trade doesn't happen, and now Durant has committed to be in the long run for the Brooklyn Nets. It's not just going to be this year, it's going to be for the entire time. I do not know if I believe Kevin Durant when he says that, Um, even though today it's, hey, we're here, for multiple years, great. I don't know if I I trust that. This Nets team is about as untrustworthy as it gets. This affects the Milwaukee Bucks in several ways, not only for this season, but for years upcoming. This season, the Nets are right there as one of the top contenders in the the league and in the East, if all their guys have their shit together. If everybody is on the same page and Kyrie Irving is playing games and Ben Simmons comes back to life as a potential defensive player of the year and does just enough on offense, his Ben Simmons triple-doubles, as we like to say, the 10 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, if that Ben Simmons comes back, the Nets are a legitimate threat in the East and a legitimate threat to the Milwaukee Bucks. They also match up pretty damn well with what the Bucks have out there. They match up very well, and I, I think they will give the Bucks a challenge assuming that all of their guys are there. Do they still have work to do on this roster? Yes, I think they still are kind of old. I don't think they have sort of went to the youth movement, they need to. They need to also find other guys that could kind of perpetuate that. More Nick Claxton, more Cam Thomas. They did add Royce O'Neal, they did add TJ Warren, so they're kind of going against that. But I don't really think, Kessler Edwards was also impressive. Uh, this last season when he was filling in for guys, like I feel like they should go more young and they're kind of in the middle of that, right? You have three or four guys where you're like, okay, the youth movement could easily start here. And they, they're they sort of spitting in the face of it, which is very much what Brooklyn has has done so far. They need to find a little bit of a direction. And if they actually find their North Star, if they actually get on the same page, Yeah, they're they're going to be a problem, but I can't necessarily buy in. It's sort of, I will believe it when I see it. Even if the Nets start off red hot, even if everybody's like, the Nets should be playing on Christmas, I'm still not going to buy into this team. I am not going to buy into this team till likely the All-Star break because I've seen way too much of the shenanigans that all three of their top players have pulled. So I'm not ready to push my chips all in and be like, this is the best team in the Eastern Conference. There will be pundits who say that. And they're idiots. They're absolute fucking clowns. And they are just hoping for a team to actually be something out of the New York metropolitan area. I cannot wait. This take is gonna happen tomorrow because Mad Dog's on the show. Mark my fucking words. Mark this part of the podcast that we are going to have a segment on first take tomorrow that features Mad Dog, it features Stephen A. Smith, where they wonder if the Knicks and Nets can be like the Mets and Yankees of basketball. That's going to happen. With the success of the Mets and the Yankees, can the Knicks and Nets replicate that next season? Assume they, which is assuming probably that Donovan Mitchell is a member of the New York Nets, which was mentioned the other day, that the Knicks are now willing to throw RJ Barrett in the trade. And yet again, the Knicks are being the dumb bitch, which is not surprising. I've I never expect the Knicks to actually come out ahead when it comes to a trade. And trading RJ Barrett will be a colossal mistake because I think RJ Barrett is actually a good basketball player. And I, I think it's more like I, I don't know how much better the Knicks are than a four or five seed with Donovan Mitchell. I really don't. I can't I just can't see it. We'll save that for another time, but yes, I bet that take is going to happen and it's so ridiculous. Look, the Bucks and the Boston Celtics are on another level than the Nets and the Sixers. Until the Nets and the Sixers can prove out that they can play winning basketball and competent basketball, especially late in the season, they are on a second ring. And they are not necessarily on the same ring and the same tier as what the Bucks and Boston have already proven. Hell, I could make an argument that the Heat, maybe not at the Boston-Milwaukee range, but they should be on their own tier alone. Because if I were to do a pseudo power rankings, which everybody loves a good power rankings in the dead part of the season, I have it as Milwaukee, Boston, Miami, Philadelphia, Brooklyn. And I actually think there's a little bit of a gap between Philly and Brooklyn at this time. Now, could this all change if the Nets are on the same page? That, like I said earlier, they find that one thing to latch on to? Absolutely. And that does terrify me. That does worry me as a Bucs fan. I'm not, not going to lie to you. I don't want more contenders. I have one Kevin Durant to go to Memphis and leave us the fuck alone. And what does it mean for the future? I jury's still out at this point right like we don't know we have no idea what that future holds for the Nets because of the con- the consistent inconsistencies of this Nets team this Nets team could look completely different next year they could shed Kyrie they could shed Ben Simmons they could start all over again with Kevin Durant they find a new second banana for Kevin Durant next season That's all on the table. Or they do this for two years, it doesn't work out. Nash gets fired, Sean Marks gets let go, and they do something different for the final two years of Durant's career. Or they blow it up and they trade Durant away and Durant becomes a role player as he's getting up in age. We just have to see. This Nets team is the height of dysfunction in sports. They are probably everything wrong with sports right now, But. You can have teams that defy logic and become something. I'm not going to worry about this this Nets team till at least the All Star break, and I suggest as Bucks fans you do the same. All right, let's wrap up today's show with the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers, I think, have either lost or they are losing. Uh, we're taping this podcast early. We didn't have to split it. They're down ten to one now uh, in the end of the eighth inning. They're getting absolutely shit bumped by the Los Angeles Dodgers. Victor Carantini uh, pitched it in. It did not go well for Vic as he gave up doubles to Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman. That's what I would assume happened. I don't mind that the Brewers went with the positional player here, uh, but I I wanted to talk about Corbin Burns and his struggles against the Dodgers because they're not pretty. Corbin Burns continues to struggle against the Dodgers. And I don't, I don't know if it is a cause for concern. I think I would be much more worried about it if the Brewers were actually a contender. I don't put the Brewers right now in contender mode. I still believe, I still think the Brewers could potentially make the playoffs. I think that is very possible, but I also don't think they're at contender status. Here's what Burns has done against the Los Angeles Dodgers. In six games, four starts, regular season against the Dodgers, 18 innings, 26 hits, 20 runs, all earned, nine walks, 19 strikeouts, five home runs, and a 10 ERA. That's pretty damn bad for Carvin Pantz. That is not good. Uh, That is really a significant issue against one of the better teams in baseball. And I think for Burns, he just has to figure out how to pitch differently against this team. What Burns does against every other team in baseball does not work against Los Angeles Dodgers. They have their number. They have a good book on what Burns is doing. So Burns has to shake it up. That's what I've admired about Brandon Woodruff, where it's never the same for Woodruff. Like Woodruff came out against the Dodgers and did something completely different compared to what he's done in the past. And I think that I admire that about Woody, right? Like Woody didn't necessarily say, okay, yeah, I'm gonna go back to the same thing I've been doing. And so while I imagine Burns has mixed some stuff up, it's clear that he relies on the corners, he relies on guys chasing, and the Dodgers just do not chase. They work counts better than any team in baseball. It's why they make they they are so tough, it's why they are so good, they make you throw strikes. And what Burns is good at is painting the corners, getting on the edges, and the Dodgers are just not having that. And I think that's where the struggles lie. Obviously it's unlikely that we'll see Corbin Burns against these Dodgers this season again. Who knows? I mean, I guess you could potentially see it in the playoffs, but if that does happen, I hope they have a better game plan. I hope they have a better plan of attack here because tonight it did not work out. Now. Did Burns have the best defense around him? No, uh, it was a clusterfuck, right? You had issues from Luis Urias, you had issues from Riley Teles. Uh, he also had walks today that burned him. Like Corbin Burns, just it was not his night. And there are nights like this. We see this happen with pitchers all the time. I'm not ready to be like, oh, Corbin Burns is washed. Corbin Burns is going to have a bad end of the season. I don't think that at all, right? He has a he plays the Cubs. Uh, later this week, I think that that should go a little bit better. But yeah, it was a disappointing one for the Brewers. Hit the ball hard. Like, it wasn't like they they were just lifeless tonight. They hit the ball hard. They just hit it at a bunch of guys, which sucks. And that's baseball, and that happens. But when you get down 4-0 to the Dodgers in the first two innings, it becomes a little bit insurmountable. It's a little tougher to climb that mountain against this Dodgers team, especially Tony Gosselin on the mound, who the Brewers have made look like Cy Young in the last two weeks. I don't think Goslin should get the Cy Young. I, I do think that belongs to Sandy Alcantara, but Goslin is obviously making a strong case being 16-1 on the season. That is absolutely ridiculous from the... Dodgers pitcher and he pitched well again tonight. He didn't really need to go long as this game was well in hand uh, after the fifth inning. So we'll see what the Brewers do on Wednesday night. Uh, they definitely need to salvage that split or no win the series. not salvage a split. You have Adrian Hauser getting the ball his first start in a long time and Andrew Haney a lefty that they actually hit pretty well. Um, they they don't hit lefties well, but they did hit Andrew Haney well uh last week. So hopefully they can replicate that again and come out of LA with two wins. The good news is for Brewer fans that the, the Padres did lose three to one tonight, they were lifeless as well. Uh so that they do have that going for them. Uh that's that's a big thing, but uh it's you still gotta keep winning. The Cardinals aren't losing, right? They they split their double header. So the Brewers are four and a half back. They did get a half game back, but we're still a wild wide way to go. And the Brewers can't get on a winning streak. Um, they are allergic to it. I think they haven't got on a three-game winning man. When's the last time Brewers got on a three-game winning streak? It's been a while. Let's let's see there. Let's that's might might it have been since the Colorado, since the Boston, Minnesota. Series is that? Is that really how long it's been since the Brewers have got on a three-game winning streak? Yeah, the last time the Brewers had won three or more games was when they won two against Minnesota and then they won two against Boston. That is gross. um That's not what you want, man. That was in late July. It's been a rough August for this Brewers team, and they still got time to turn it around, though, right? Like if you win against LA. You go into Chicago this weekend. Burns doesn't pace against Chicago, by the way, pitched against Pittsburgh um, on Monday. But you get Peralta, Woodruff, Lauer, and then Burns. So hopefully, maybe you can get a little bit warm and kickstart Craig Tember in the right direction. Although, with a guy who's disconnected as Craig Council is, I don't know if Craig Temper exists. All right, take care of yourself. Have a good Wednesday. We will talk tomorrow, another Daily Tap. I know you usually don't get me three straight days, uh, but there will be a Daily Tap tomorrow. And then Mitch and I doing a podcast on Thursday night for your Friday listening entertainment. All right, take care.